0: Good to see everyone here tonight. Um, I think it's important, just as Pastor always says, to be faithful to the house of God. And, you know, let's keep him in our prayers um, as he travels uh, to Hartford, uh, Connecticut, I believe, for a conference. Um, <clears throat> um, the title my, the title of my message tonight, I'm finding a little cold, so I apologize if... if uh, <laughs> I get a little choked. Um, The title of my message is The Next Question. Um, You know in preparing for this message I was I was really again just trying to hear from God and what it was that um, that um, um, he wanted me to to touch on tonight. And I started thinking about you know just the idea of of how we study the Word of God how we research it um, so that we can apply it. And I think there's um, a number of ways that we can do it. Um, This is um, not going to be an exhaustive uh, message about this, but I wanted to touch on basically that idea that we need to be better about questioning. not necessarily what the Word of God says in the sense that, you know, question whether it's true, but we need to, as we read the Word of God, we need to be better about questioning or asking ourselves questions. Is this true of me? Is this found in me? And so that is really the the essence of this message that we need to be better about researching or studying uh, the Word of God, and really it comes down to asking questions. And so the art of inquiry is defined in three ways. Number one, it's a request for information. Number two, it's a systematic investigation of something. Number three, it's an examination into facts or principles. In essence, again, it's research. And with any research study, there are always questions, lots of questions. And you might be asking yourselves this question. What do we do with these questions? What is the purpose of these questions? Um, Well, in the world of orthopedics, I'm an orthopedic PA, and um, we study a lot of different techniques um, so that we can show outcomes for what we do. And these outcomes help us to formulate what we consider to be the best way to practice medicine in the world of orthopedics. And these are mainly surgical techniques. Um, And in the process of doing these research studies, we ask questions. We ask questions before surgery and after surgery to come up with accurate outcomes. And these outcomes, again, help us gauge the reality of this specific procedure or technique and whether or not it's beneficial to the patient and it improves their life and their well being. And so, in a spiritual sense, we need to do research on ourselves. And I talked about this just a minute ago. We need to begin to ask ourselves questions to find out the reality of our walk with God. And whether or not we are truly being obedient to his word. And so I want us to all stand and let's pray before we dig a little more further into this message. Thank you, Lord, for this evening, Lord. Thank you for this body of believers. Thank you for their hunger, Lord, to know you more, to learn from you, to grow in you. Lord, and I just pray now that you would anoint me, your speaker, Lord, and now anoint me, Lord, so that I would be able to clearly articulate what it is that you want me to say, Lord. Help me now as I deliver this message, Lord, and bless the hearers, Lord. Let it be edifying to them, and I ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So I don't really have a main text tonight, but I want us all to embrace this idea that we need to ask ourselves some questions and as we go through these questions i really want these questions to you know to speak to us or i want us to allow these questions enough time to speak to us allow these questions um, to marinate a little um, maybe god has something specific in this message for one of us to hear so in order to do this spiritual research, we must be willing to ask a lot of questions. We must, willing, we must be willing at the end of the day to try to answer these questions and ultimately respond. So everyone must be a participant. Everyone needs to ask themselves these questions. And then after everything is said tonight, we must be able to do what the word is telling us to do. We must do what the word is telling us to do in order to see the benefits of this whole process and in order to see the blessings. So, you know, I was thinking, maybe I would go around the the room and ask some real questions to people. You know, what does it mean to be apostolic to you? Is there anyone out there that would like to just throw it out there? What does it mean to be apostolic to you? That's okay. Maybe you would say it's, you know, being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. Maybe someone else would say it's, it's Jesus' name baptism or the oneness of God. Others might say following the plan for the church and for salvation that is laid out in the book of Acts. You know, this is kind of a side note, but I was, I was talking to Brother Floyd and we were just talking about, you know, what it means to be apostolic. And um, I don't know about you, but more than ever before, I am proud to be apostolic and what that stands for. And that's a whole other message that someone else can tackle, um, but I just wanted to throw, throw that out there. So, um, you know, this, this doctrine that we hold near and dear to our hearts, um, this doctrine that the apostles had, and it's laid out in the Word of God, this is that sound doctrine that the, that the Word speaks of. This is that same doctrine that they were preaching and teaching uh, in the word of God. And the the key point with this, I know this sounds like a little bit of a tangent, but you know, this is different from other churches. I really wanna point that out. Um, You know, I was speaking to someone else um, last weekend and I wanna make sure that we realize that there is a clear distinction or there should be a clear distinction yes. about what we teach and preach and what other churches teach and preach. Yeah. And that difference matters. Yeah. And so that's why we need to be asking ourselves these questions, Where? what is the difference? What is it that we believe? Um, these things need to be happening in order for us to know the word and do the word. So this message is meant to stir up in us a desire to know God's word, to grow in it, and to ultimately apply it so that we can truly say that we are doers and not just hearers of the word. You know, as I look back on my time as a quote-unquote believer, this is before um, I was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, I um, claimed to be. Uh, A believer. I was a believer, right? But I was missing the revelation of who God was and I was missing the power that comes from being filled with the Holy Ghost. Um, And so there I was, um, you know, um, trying to be a faithful Christian, but I was living in sin. I was living in overt sin. You know, I continued to go to church, I read my Bible, I prayed, I would sing worship music to God, and yet I was lost in sin, and I didn't know it, Mm -hmm. or yet I, I didn't see it at the time. I was calloused by my sin, I was deceived by what I was doing. Now, of course, from time to time, I would maybe recognize my sin and ask for forgiveness. But I continued to live this life of sin. I continued to do the same things over and over again. Never really changing. Never truly repenting. And never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. The truth that could truly make me free free of sin, freedom from the bondage of sin. Amen. And that's why I'm thankful that I am an apostolic. Amen. And I know the power of the Holy Spirit yes. and the power of being baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's continue with our research. Let's go back to our questions. You know, clearly this this probably rings a bell in... in uh, people's minds about scripture that talks about always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You know, that's found in 2 Timothy 3 and 7. You know, this again, this is what happens when you continue to live in sin or you're not willing to submit to the word of God. And when we're not willing to submit to his word, we can start to deceive ourselves. We think by hearing the word, we are being changed. And we're really not. We're deceiving ourselves. And again, you become calloused. And all you're doing is hearing the word, but not allowing it to change you. So the next question is this. Why was it that I couldn't see that sin that was in my life and truly repent from it? You know, I'd like to bring up another analogy. It's the mirror analogy. And, um, you know, if you look at the rear view mirror, not the side mirror, but the rear view mirror, it, it says that objects in the rear view mirror appear closer than they really are. And from a spiritual standpoint, we might seem to think that we are closer to God than what we really are. Our perception is wrong. Yeah. You know, my wife brought up that whole analogy about, you know, the forest and the trees and that we need to recognize or step away from the forest to see the trees, the individual trees. You know, we, we can see this big massive group of trees, but we aren't willing to look at the individual trees, the trees that have fallen or the trees that are dead and decaying and they've lost their limbs in a storm. So when we look into Another mirror, the typical mirror. The problem is we don't see ourselves as God sees us. And all we see is the outward appearance, and we're not able to see the inward heart, the heart that God sees and knows. And so we aren't able to recognize the sin that still exists and that God sees. So ultimately, we think that we are closer to God than what we really are. We are closer to his holiness than what we really are. We are closer to heaven than what we really are. And this is a mistake that we can all fall into. This is a mistake that we can make when we come to church and just check a box right. and never allow the, the preached word or the taught word right. to change us. Because we must respond to it in order for it to change us. Right. We must respond to that Holy Spirit conviction when we are convicted. We must respond to that word that brings us to the altar. We must respond to what has been said so that we are doers and not hearers only. And I get it, it's hard to die to self it's hard to embrace sin that still exists and that keeps us from becoming who God wants us to be. But the benefits of dying to self far outweigh the temporary struggle or the discomfort of dying to self. I don't want us to have the typical Christian experience that has us continuing to, to come to church but never fully experiencing the power of God. Never fully surrendering and never submitting to the will of God or to his word. So the next question is this how do we change this cycle? Well, let's look at scripture and um and do some research. Let's let's ask some more questions. So in James one twenty-five, I'm sorry, James one twenty-one through twenty-five, it says this: therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So if we are able to lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, this implanted word can save our souls. And we must receive it with meekness. Meekness is defined as an attitude or quality of the heart whereby a person is willing to accept and submit without resistance to the will and desire of God. I'm going to say it again. Meekness is defined as an attitude, an attitude or quality of the heart whereby a person is willing to accept and submit without resistance to the will and desire of God. So here's the next question. And actually, it's a series of questions. Are we receiving with meekness this implanted word which is able to save our souls? Breaking that question down even more, do we have the right attitude and quality of heart whereby we are willing to accept and submit to the word of God? Are we willing to accept and submit without resistance to God's will and his desires? If we answer yes to these questions, I believe there are specific benefits. It clearly says it will save our souls And if we have the right attitude then we will hear this word and it will become implanted in us or as the King James Version states engrafted in us and so I have a couple of images Stephen if you can pull those up this is an implant this is a knee replacement okay if somebody has knee arthritis um, eventually it becomes bone on bone and uh, this is the the definitive answer for knee arthritis. So this is a knee implant, a total knee replacement. And we call this an implant. And this implant is really meant to stay with this patient for the rest of their lives. Barring some kind of complication or infection, it stays with the patient forever. It's an implant. And just as that is an implant, we must have this word implanted in us. We don't put it down so that we can do whatever we want to do and pick it up when it's time to maybe, you know, hear from God. It stays with us. We carry it with us. Mm -hmm. It's engrafted in us. If you can show that next picture, it needs to be engrafted in us. And this is a picture of, you know, the process of grafting something. And you can see how in that stock image, you have to open it up. So we need to be open to this word, receive the word, and be bound to that word. So it it can't we can never put it down we can never let it go it needs to be bound in us so that this word comes alive and we start to bear the fruit that comes from the word of God mm. Mm. thank you Lord this needs to be fixed in us so Hmm. Thank you, Lord. This implanted word, once again, we need to to open it up on a regular basis, a daily basis, and not just read it. You know, I, help me, Lord, I am not the man that I used to be, because I have submitted to this word, and over the last year or so, as the pastor has called us to the ministry team, finally started to study it and apply it. And I am not the man that I used to be because of because God is stirring in me. His word is coming alive in me. Thank you. So we must be doers and not hearers only. As we continue on in James 1 and 22, just stating it again. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We're deceived if all we do is hear the word. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of a man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. I feel like I am being blessed because of my obedience. The Bible is our mirror that we must look into for the truth of who we are. We must ask God to give us a revelation of his word and what it is telling us to do. And it's what we do with it that's most important. Merely knowing it does nothing for you. It's in responding to it. So the next question is this, are we doers of the word and not hearers only? Truthfully, I want us to all just sit back and think, because I know I have a long ways to go. So as we hear a message, a preaching message, a teaching message, we need to be better about jotting notes down, making a mental note. You know, Pastor Matman is great about that. I see him all the time. He hears something, he writes it down. He doesn't just write it down to write it down. I'm sure he goes home and he, he prays about that and studies it. And, you know, because he's, he's looking for the next message or he's looking to be, you know, more righteous, more holy, just as we need to be doing that same thing. We need to be students of this word. Responding to it. I'm going to skip ahead here. So ultimately, we need to pray that God would change us in this specific area. Challenge us. Convict us to be more students of his word and to ask questions. We must pray that God would reveal these things to us so that we can respond with action. A good prayer for this is found in Psalms 139. It's a, it's a scripture that we should all know pretty well. It says this Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, and know my anxieties, and see if there is any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. This word (laughs) is going to lead us in the way everlasting. So the next question is this How does God search our hearts? And are we allowing him to speak to us? Are we quiet before him so that we can hear that still small voice? Are we seeking after the wisdom and discernment that comes from the Holy Spirit? Because we must seek after that Holy Spirit for conviction and respond with repentance when faced with the reality of our sin. When we pray for the Holy Spirit to fall, we are praying that we feel that conviction or that we have that new revelation on areas of our lives that need to change in order for us to be more holy. So are we denying that Holy Ghost power? If we deny this process, we are denying the work of God. If we are denying this process, we are denying His righteousness and His holiness that comes from His presence found in the Holy Ghost so we are in essence saying I'm fine without it I don't really need it we are denying the essential need that the Holy Ghost power needs to be in us and if we deny it I I believe it's a dangerous stance to take we need this Holy Ghost power that's given to all those that desire it and and those that desire to live in it. Romans 15 and 13 says this, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 3 and 5 says this, And I pray that this is not found in us. It talks about having a form of godliness, but denying its power. This describes someone who wants to look right on the, in, on the outside, but doesn't want to be right with God on the inside. And I know this because I was that someone. So the next question is this, do we have areas of our lives that we aren't willing to surrender to God? Areas of our lives that we are holding on to? Maybe it's relationships, past or present. Maybe it's some area of sin that we just can't let go of, that we can't fully submit to God about. You know, the Pharisees were always concerned about their outward appearance. And we see this in Scripture. Matthew 23 and 26 says, Blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. I pray that none of us would be like those Pharisees. None of us would be living a life where we are deceiving ourselves into thinking that we are growing in our walk with God, growing in our love for God by merely hearing his word and not responding. Because it's in the application of it that we will see our hearts changed, our minds changed, and ultimately our lives changed. It's only in the application of this word and when Uh, we respond to it that we will see true victory over sin. So here's the big take-home message. We must continue to study the the Word to show ourselves approved. We must research and ask ourselves questions when we read the Word or when we hear the Word. We must ask ourselves the hard questions so that we can live a life that is pleasing to God. We must embrace what this word has shown us and be doers of the word, rightly dividing it and applying it to our lives. 2 Timothy 2 and 15 says this, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker It takes work, who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's a message that you will not hear at other churches. This isn't salvation by works. Don't. Don't get those two things confused, but once, once we are saved, God requires us to be at work. So 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17 says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. John eight thirty one and 32 says, and this is Jesus speaking, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, he's speaking to us, the believers, if you abide in my word, if you abide in my word, if you are found in my word, if you are found doing my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth. And this truth shall make you free. Lastly, I wanted to share one last scripture. Mark 4 and 20. A familiar parable about seeds that are sown on the ground. And the last image is of the seeds that are sown on good ground. And again... It it resonates with what I've already said. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some a 100. That's what I want all of us to be doing. Bearing fruit as we receive this word and then go out to do it. Yeah. Let's all stand and pray, dear Lord Jesus. We bow before you now, Lord. We know that we need to submit to you in every aspect of our lives. We need to submit, submit to your will. We need to submit to your word, Lord. Help us to be, um, help us to have teachable spirits, Lord. Help us to have a teachable heart help us to recognize that that truth is found in you truth is found in your word lord help us to be better about applying your word and living in a way that's pleasing to you lord i thank you for this night i thank you for this body of believers and what you're doing in us lord i pray that you would continue to move in us in a powerful way. Continue to have your spirit fall on us, that we would have a revelation of who you are, just how great you are, how mighty you are, and help us to live once again in a way that pleases to you. We ask all of this now in your precious name, in Jesus' name, amen. If you were encouraged by this message, And you would like to connect with Ephesus Church, or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit EphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part.